You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common, and that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Tony Shelley of Texas. Now, what caused this conversation? He reached out to me and he lives in Texas. And in previous episodes, I have talked about losing access, I have talked about, you know, how. Iowa seems to be going to a pay-to-play system, leasing ground, okay, um, outfitting, things like that. And so I, I get, re, I get uh, contacted by Tony, who lives in Texas, okay? And we all know that Texas is a pay-to-play state right now, right? Uh, leasing, hunt clubs, outfitting, high fence, low fence, exotics. I mean, you can do anything in Texas, and it seems like the norm there is leasing ground or being part of a hunt club now as he mentions in this podcast that that's not how it is all the time but that is the norm down there and there are guys getting it done on public there are guys that are getting it done on permission property but for the most part it is a lease or hunt club type of environment and in the past i've talked with a couple guys uh in the south uh, 
Texas included, and uh, the Southeast, who are part of hunt clubs as well. And so I just, he reached out to me. He wanted to give me a little perspective. He wanted to update me and basically say that the pay to play system isn't as bad as one might think it is. Now, he, when he, he admits that leases and hunt clubs are all that he knows, right? He didn't grow up in a state where you could knock on door and easily get permission like I did back in the day. So we have that conversation as well. It's a really good uh, episode. I'm glad you guys are tuned in to listen to it. Before we get started though, I do have to run through a handful of commercials. That way they pay me, I promote their product, and I can continue to do this for free. And uh, man, I every day or every day or two, I get an email or a a message via Instagram, and it's just someone very kindly saying, "Dan, keep doing what you're doing. I love what you're doing, and I listen to your episodes, and that makes my day. And it, in a way, motivates me." and allows me to continue having discipline to do this podcast. So uh, to all of those guys, including yourself, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Go to iTunes, give me a five-star review, and uh, let everybody else know why you listen to this podcast and that it's fun and it's entertaining. Now, uh, if you're looking for a saddle, you got to check out Tethered. You know, if you're a run-and-gun mobile guy, by now, you should know that Tethered is the cream of the crop when it comes to saddles all right so if you're looking for a saddle saddle hunting accessories climbing sticks and an education on how to be a better saddle hunter go check out tethered if you're looking for in my opinion uh, it's a product that i've been using for like i think it was 13 or 14 years now uh, wasp broadheads a huge fan of of the design huge fan of the the boss four blade and the three blade jackhammer uh, go to wasparchery.com, check out all the heads they offer. Majority of them are still made in America. Uh, and enter the discount code NFC20. Next on the list, Vortex Optics. Uh, one of my favorite companies to work with. The people at this company are amazing. One of a kind, very educated, very knowledgeable, and are participants in the activity of hunting. And that's why I like talking with these guys and working with Vortex because they're not bird watchers. They're hunters, and I absolutely love that, you know, communicating with that. Now, uh, Vortex has rangefinders, binoculars, also has binoculars with rangefinders, uh, optics, accessories, red dots, rifle scopes, spotting scopes, you name it, they have it. Vortexoptics.com. Code Blue Sense, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Be sure you check out the Ropadope Mock Scrape Kit. Uh, pre-orbital gel in a blue rope man go back and listen to the mock scrape uh, episode that i did a while back and that is basically a road map for what i'm going to be doing this upcoming year trying to put a mock scrape within shooting range of all of my stands so uh that is what is that that's codebluesense.com discount code nfc20 Woodman's Pal, if you're looking for a machete or a habitat tool to keep in your pack or in your truck, please go to woodmanspal.com. This is a made in America company that is, uh, it's been around, I believe, since the 1940s. They offer a variety of leather goods and sheaths. Uh, just a really cool, unique company, woodmanspal.com. 
next on the list is Huntworth. In my opinion, Huntworth has one of the best and most affordable layering systems when it comes to hunting clothing and hunting gear. Uh, it's not the elite brands that where they're going to charge you elite dollars. They're a, just a hair down from that. And, uh, you know, like they say over at Huntworth, it's about 80 to 90% of the quality with about 50% of the cost. And so you're getting the value there. There's value there. And uh, so go to huntworthgear.com. Take a look at all of their warm, mid, and late season offerings. Uh, and also read up on their heat boost technology. Last but not least, my company, Full Sneak Gear. If you are looking for some kick-ass t-shirts, uh, crew necks, hats, stocking caps, please go to fullsneakgear.com and uh, check out the, the cool t-shirts, man. We got the, the Full Sneak Slayer tee that is, uh, that's up and running. We have the Licking Branch tee. We have the standard logo tees and the crew neck uh, bow hunting tee. Uh, sweatshirt so go take a look fullsneakgear.com appreciate you guys letting me advertise on this podcast that's how i make my money so uh do me a huge favor go to itunes leave a five-star review go follow me on instagram and share with all your friends who are into the outdoors because i'm sure there's something on the sportsman's empire that you will all like so that's it. Let's get into today's episode where we talk about pay-to-play hunting access in Texas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today, all the way from Texas, we're going to be talking with Tony Shelley. Tony, man, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Good to so, talk to you. Uh, right now in Iowa, we're sitting at about... 60 degrees could be a high in the low 70s yesterday was uh 70s is it always hot in texas or is there some is there a period of time where you guys get a little bit of a break it's usually like now i mean it's normally pretty hot though i mean <laughs> in bow season if we get 80 degree weathers you know in the beginning like that's that feels cold type yeah. type weather um but yeah i mean it, it's it's definitely, you know, Texas is, if you don't like the weather, just wait 24 hours and yeah. it's going to be different. It's very extreme here. Uh, and the cold, it, it it gets cold here. And you'll hear guys say that it's they've been colder in, like, South Texas than they have in other areas of the country just because of the yeah. humidity down here. It uh, makes it feel a lot colder than it is. But generally... Uh, not a lot of cold snaps it's gonna freeze a couple times yeah. a year okay and then you're you're down by the gulf oh yeah i'm about an hour north oh, of Houston. okay so i'm, I'm so, right. cool yeah cool all right so i gotta i have to vent a little bit today on this podcast and i'm it just so happens that i'm yeah. gonna vent to you so there's a little rumor going around my neighborhood about one of the ladies on my street she bought a a new hair dryer okay and it cost four hundred dollars okay i'm gonna repeat that price just so everybody can clearly hear what i'm saying four hundred dollar hair dryer all right and so what did what did my wife end up buying yesterday or the day before a four hundred dollar hair dryer. Now, yep. 
I asked myself, what does this hair dryer do that the other ones don't do? Okay. And I don't even know if my question has been answered yet. What what really makes them different? Because when I ask, my wife just goes, I don't know, but it dries my hair faster. Okay. Don't they all do that? Right? And so, right. you know, are you married? Okay. Yes. So you hear yes. these, you hear people say, pick your battles. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. And so the, the, the frugal part of me said, Hey Dan, uh, you know, maybe you should say something because $400 seems pretty cheap, but, uh, but, uh, Dan, who doesn't like arguments over stupid things, <laughs> like he goes, you know what? You should probably let this one slide. Just don't even worry about it. Right. And so I didn't, I played it cool. And so I want to get your thoughts on $400 hair dryers. It's not that uh, I'm good for it because I don't want her to know what I spent. $400 is goes, you know, yeah, quick. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, like when you're married, you have to pick your battles and I kind of do the, I'm yours for, I don't say no for nine months, but when I get to three months of deer season, you know, she knows that it's time to, yeah. But no. So you're going to punt on the $400 hair dryer. Oh, yeah. And you're just going to be like, you know what? Yeah. Don't, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. I think I made the right decision. Absolutely. Yep. So um, you reached out to me, right? You, you've been listening to a couple of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, one in particular where I talked about um, the Midwest, especially Iowa, becoming a pay-to-play type hunting scenario and you and you guys down south kind of giggle at that because you guys have been doing it for a long time so why did you decide to reach out why do you want to talk about you know this uh you know the pay-to-play system and i'd love to hear your insights because you've been doing it for a while yeah well it's just i mean it I just wanted to reach out and say, you know, that, you know, it's not the end of hunting when you get to this mm-hmm. stage Now it can feel like that because, uh, you know, you've had, you know, it's, to me, it's the norm to, uh, it's more the norm than the exception to lease yeah. land. And, uh, if we get permission for any permission, that's like, to me, that's gold just cause I don't, you don't get yeah. it as much, you know, not, uh, a lot of Texas is, I mean, almost all of Texas is private. And then a lot of that private, they still hunt it. You know, people that own it hunt, do a lot of hunt. So um, maybe not as much, you know, where, where in the Midwest, their farmers primarily don't care about the deer, you know, and it just, uh, the layout and the way that, you know, just the land, the economy, everything just tends to where the South, you have to lease land and uh, up there you don't. And I just trying to maybe bring along some positives to it. I know that it's not, uh, you know, anytime you got to pay money for something, it's not a positive, but you are receiving something back. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've just, I've grown up on leases my whole life i mean we had one for 30 years right here five minutes from town and 
really what I'm seeing is, you know, I don't know that there's good news in the future or not, but um, it just, the loss of land still here in Texas, whether it's a lot of it's development here yeah. on our side, not being far, and, you know, I'll pick up a piece and then it's developed, you know, and, and uh, I guess it was 2015 ish. That was my main, I mean, that it was a 600 acre piece, you know, we'd managed it for a long time. And uh, uh, when we had that sold, I had one 80 acre piece and I kind of figured then that like, I've got to diversify, you know, same as business. Like I run my own businesses and uh, you can't like pigeonhole yourself just into one thing. And that's my thing too. Like if you, when you do that, you're kind of uh, um, stuck with whatever the circumstances might bring about um, when you, when you, when you just got one entity or whatever. So I just went into it as far as like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get as many places as I can. And, uh, that's kind of where it's led, I, you know, and, and that being said, it doesn't always have, to, it's not always big places. I mean, I have a lot of little bitty small places that have turned into bangers, like, and they don't cost hardly anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Um, that's kind of yeah. how I see it. I have permission. For it too, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, yeah. But yeah. So a while, a while ago, I, f- I flew down into San Antonio and I went on a media hunt down in Texas uh, where we got to go shoot exotics. All right. And so yeah. I, um, uh, I, all I saw on that road was high fences along the highways and going to it. Is that an accurate representation of Texas or is there a, a lot of low fence farms where deer can travel between farms? So, I mean, you saw South Texas and like, it's just such a small area. A lot of Texas and and West Texas will be low or high fence. Um, And I would say I'm in East Texas, which is mainly a big woods country. Uh, And I would say maybe, maybe 5% or less is high fenced around here. Now there's high fences, but it's, it's generally uh, uh, a low fence, you know, and that's where like, you know, you... The just the stereotypical that Texas yeah. is all high fence is just really not true. Like it's it's more low, way more low fence than it is yeah. high fence, you know. So, uh, yeah, especially in East Texas. Now you get south, they, there are a lot, and even west or, or central Texas. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I look at I look at this as like a supply and demand issue right and so the the demand for land to go hunting down in texas is very very high and so somebody's going to supply it and there's going to be a fee associated with it right and so um you mentioned it's been pay to play down there for 30 years what was texas like before that i mean well i'm i'm only 39 so i'm you know, there's been leases, you know, as long back as, as you can mm-hmm. look, really, you know. And, and once the deer were established, I mean, in the 50s, they had to bring in deer from South Texas and East Texas. In our area, they had to bring mm-hmm. deer in at times to really reestablish yep. them. Uh, they ran dog running for dog. Deer was real big in the early, uh, you know, 1900s mm-hmm. in East Texas. So the deer population was pretty low and they brought deer in 
and uh, it's uh, what were we even talking uh, about? Talking about the you know before everybody went to the pay-to-play system like oh. 30 years ago. What was it like? Well, I- you know, back then, there really wasn't a ton of deer in Texas mm-hmm. to hunt, you know, before then. And, and the South is just different because the land has, you know, timber comfort country where I'm at has really no value other than the yeah. timber. So most of those companies as far back, they're just getting the taxes for the uh, – when we pay the deer lease, we're, we're most of the time just paying the taxes okay. on the lease. So that's what um, – you know that's generally a good idea like if i'm going into a new place or a private owner you know if i if i have to lease it that's about the price range so taxes the annual know. taxes on that land eight percent yeah. so you got a hundred acres i'd be okay dollars um you know type deal and um now that what i've seen is you know development and stuff leases have gone up and now now these timber companies are going, you know, higher than that, you know, just because the, the land, they, they can, the resources have shrunk and the pool of hunters, you know, is getting, it is, it's sad to say, but it does knock out a lot of the meat hunters because it, it pulls in people that really got to care about yeah. hunting, uh, you know, or want to put money into it without, you know, uh, it's just different different than back in the day all right so um when it comes to leases down there i mean it's it's the same with really private land anywhere okay i can take a a, some money i don't care what anybody says this this is my opinion i can go into a farm in iowa and i can kick i can buy it i can kick everybody off of it i can plant food plots essentially throw money at it and that will get me bigger antler deer all right now down in texas when you guys lease a property is there any type of management that goes on as far as selecting what deer to take out of the herd or or uh you know trying to kill a mature animal or is any of that uh discussed with the landowner before leasing so um i'm like we're extreme like we're super super management um we're gonna i mean all the properties that i hunt you know i i generally we hunt five-year-olds um so what we kind of do is like i have i have two like bigger property leases ones with a whole bunch of people like 27 i think and it's around that's a 7000 acre property on the uh, louisiana mm-hmm. border and very strict as far as you know uh we we have a shoot list and a non shoot list and uh it's really just to um we so our management strategies is uh really to let all the deer get old and then you you Everything that's not, you know, upper end becomes a management deer, and the genetically superior deer become mm-hmm. the trophies. What we do, like, so on that place, uh, everybody buys a couple covert cameras, and they all go onto one plan, and then uh, everybody can see the cameras, you know, and then I, 
we'll go through and me and the guys that run the lease will uh we'll just make a list and we'll follow deer year yeah. to year you know and, and we'll put them on a list and like hey this is these are the no shooters these are all the management deer and these are the trophies and that's that lease is actually mld so in texas you have managed land deer permits which is like texas is uh I, I don't even know how to say it. It's just how they manage deer, you know, and it's part of their, uh, this is their tag system that's separate from the normal license that you would buy. Okay. So if you come to Texas, you buy a license, you get three buck tags um, for the state. And now that can be, I know I'm getting a little confusing here, but so for the state of Texas, you get three buck tags and that can be, three trophies in three different counties that can be a trophy a spike and another trophy you can only kill one trophy per county if that makes sense and trophy in texas low fence is a deer that's 13 inches or wider so they do have a uh, a width restriction that they put on deer i guess probably in maybe 2015 ish um We've been rolling with that for a while. And so what Texas does is it gives you one trophy, one deer over 13 inches, and then one deer uh, that's unbranched, like okay. so a spike. Um, so that's per county. And now that some counties out west, you can get two bucks, two trophies or, or whatever. That, that aren't, Those counties have so many deer, they're not even under antler restriction. Okay. Uh, they're they're, they're not guess, under antler restriction? I, uh, yeah, so some of those counties aren't, um, and but like so, for me, I can essentially have three different properties in three different counties and kill trophy bucks uh, on okay. all of them. Okay. You know, I take okay. this similar to I landowners all those, but then MLD essentially allows me to buy tags like per se so like on that big deer lease i get a buck track uh trophy tag and a management tag and so those are totally not tied to texas's uh initial license that's tied under the mld program so it doesn't matter what you know what we shoot out there it doesn't have to follow the antler restrictions uh or anything and that could that could be in the same county as uh okay yeah yeah MLD matter, so that's kind of how, like that's kind of what, what I've done is, uh, I have we have that big lease that's whatever seven thousand acres, and then I found four miles down the road, thirty six acres had come up for bid, and I uh, I just put a little bid on it, and it was bow hunting only, and uh, I put a bid on it because my wife's uh, dad, my father in law, he's in a wheelchair, so. It would give him, and I've got him uh, crossbow mm-hmm. hunting since we've been together. So it gave me, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll split this little place here with him and uh, it'll give him a place to come hunt, you know, and and I, I'm saying this all to kind of lead to where the positives of leasing land, you know, and I split that place with another buddy. We pay a hundred bucks a piece for three of us um, and I mean, we ended up killing like a 145 inch eight point off of it the very okay. first year, you know, and then I had a big deer on it. And, um, 
I know I'm like kind of floating all over the place, but I'm just trying to explain how different Texas is very management minded and very like uh, money driven yeah. with the deer. You know, they've, they've kind of figured out how to monetize it without like, um, um, without the deer resources kind of suffering gotcha. type deal. And MLS definitely one thing that, uh, that allows like, and that, so that allows you to invest into a property and know that you're going to get more out of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm putting more into that property, but I'm getting two buck tags out of it. And, you know, so there's two different, and like with MLD, there's two different types. Like if it's uh, a private landowner and he just wanted to get tags and not really like work with the biologists and stuff, there's a harvest option. And then if you're a lease like ours, that's really wanting to, uh, essentially like maybe get more tags down the road as your population goes up, you work with a biologist and you're constantly sending in, uh, uh, data and information that they're, they're in turn like crunching and, and then pushing back out tags yeah. to you. Does that seem complicated to you? A little bit, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, so Texas does a good job. Like in 98, they had, I looked it up the other day. They had 800 properties, and there was around 2 million acres that was under mm-hmm. MLD. And in 2014, that had grown to 10,000 properties and 25 million acres that was under okay. MLD. And so definitely uh, complicated for the state. I don't know that it's normally complicated for us because we just really – do this few little camera surveys they do, you know, and you send in your 250 bucks and, and, uh, you know, they just send you back tags and stuff. Now you do have to, uh, we're weighing these deer, we're pulling jaw bones. We're doing lots of, uh, data, data entry stuff when you're on mm-hmm. these programs. So it is, uh, it is a little gotcha. different. All right. So down there, um, the it sounds like on some of these leases people are allowing the uh department of natural resources to step in and uh you know get really accurate data about the deer herd thus leading them to make decisions on how many tags are allocated to a zone or an mld or a county or things like that is is there a difference between a lease down there and a hunt club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, theoretically speaking, sort of like some of these hunt clubs, they actually form like, uh, like a board and then they'll have a president and, but they can't really, that president hadn't have any control. Um, and they'll, I don't know, for whatever reason they, they form them like this and really it's kind of old school, but, uh, like the leases we run, it's kind of a dictatorship as far as like, this is how it's going to be, um, type and we're going to. 
we're going to set it up like this and, and you just get like-minded people okay. that want to do that. All right. And so, cause I've, I've, I've talked to some guys in Texas who are part of hunt clubs. All right. And yep. you can't get a part of this, be a part of this hunt club usually until somebody dies or someone decides, Hey, I'm done with this club. I'm, I'm moving. Or I'm going somewhere else. And then someone new comes in and fills that spot. There's not like a, I don't know if they necessarily have a, hey, do we want this guy in or not? It's like he's he's willing to pay the price. And then once you get there, everybody everybody else, it's like a seniority thing. They get, you know, they show up and they get the worst possible spot because everybody else has oh, yeah. their their favorite spots. And then as people leave sure. or move on, then you can stair step up. And I I I listen to that and I go, Oh my God, man. So you're telling me I have to pay for this, but I can't hunt anywhere I want. I only get to hunt a couple acres. That to me sounds almost like borderline unfair. So it's different. Like uh, the big lease, we do have like, you get two, two spots and they're like 600 acres, 600 yards away from other people. Um, and you can kind of move around in those spots. And that other big lease, it, it's a uh, protein mandatory. So you're, you're, you have to feed like from March to September, you know, it's a, we're trying to grow deer over there and really all our leases, we, we feed supplemental, uh, whether it's cotton seed or protein and then corn in the, uh, corn in the year. I mean, in yeah. the deer season, but uh, it's, uh, so it's kind of different as far as that lease is that way. You're, you're confi- confined to your spots. Um, I'm real different because then everything else we do, like I have another big lease with just three other buddies or there's four of us. We split everything four ways. We have, I don't know, 25 bow stands hung and we hunt uh, wherever we, we don't have assigned spots and we, we just hunt a list of deer and, and really like if we're hunting, hunting one of the deer you know it's if i hunted him last in that spot and you want to go there you go there you know you're up next yeah. type deal and uh, really and then all my other little places and permission like we hunt we hunt it as like we're hunting a group of deer this is not your spot it's not my spot this is our spot and we're gonna you know one of us is gonna yeah. kill him um i feel or you know us there's a couple yeah. bucks, you know, and, and, um, that's how I like leases to run because, you know, you, it sucks to be like pigeonholed yeah. into one spot, you know, and you're just, um, so, you know, what I, I, what I would do is, you know, I was, I've been listening to some of your stuff and, um, I would just, I would think about in the future, like, don't think about leasing a property just yourself you know uh get two or three of your friends you know two or three guys even even out-of-state guys with iowa you could you could kind of say hey i'll be the point man <laughs> i'll get all the bow hunting but y'all can get a late season mother yeah. tag and uh get this lease together and and uh you know y'all can come in late and then you know you essentially bow hunt it but it's um I think the camaraderie that you have that leases allow, you know, you to, you're, you're, you've always been a lone wolf hunter. I mean, you, you get the camaraderie aspect from the social media side of it. But, uh, when you could like, and you know, just imagine if you had a little place with you and, uh, 
whatever Tony Peterson and y'all yeah. y'all hunted together, you know, and, and then you know maybe y'all chasing a big deer and he kills it, not you, and it's just it sucks to not you know for that to happen just because of the time that yeah. you put in, but you you feel for you know if somebody is putting in the same amount of work that you do, you know you feel like a bond when they kill that deer yeah. with them, you know, the same, almost that you killed it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that, that that can come from leasing property and, uh, and, and, and just sharing like that experience. Yeah. I feel. Have you ever had to deal? So I'll back up a bit. I can understand that as long as expectations are set between all parties, you know 100%. what I mean? Yep. But, and I, I don't know, maybe you've been through this, yep. maybe you haven't. What happens if expectations are met? And maybe sometimes it's an honest mistake, and sometimes it's just, hey, I want to kill. What happens when, in a in a lease like that or a hunt club, someone shoots a three-year-old or somebody, you know, shoots a deer that you guys agreed that you were going to pass this year? What... Are there financial penalties? Are are they kicked out of the club? Like, how's that work? So the main hunt club, we do have a fine. I mean, it's like I think it's a five hundred dollar fine, and it's not like they're not belittled. They're not like uh, there's not any type of like you know shame or anything. It's just like hey, and most of them know they messed up. Or, or and some of these guys, you know, they're not as savvy, you know, and we. We've had that at least for six years, and we've had three, maybe three deer that have been shot that weren't mm-hmm. on the list. Um, not a big deal. They're not getting kicked off. Like if it if it becomes habitual where they're they're doing it every year, you know, then it becomes like, hey, you're not, you know, it wasn't a mess up. You know, you're just you're just willy nilly shooting whatever you want or, or whatever it is. You're not with the plan yeah. that we're with. Yeah. You know. Uh, One second. One second. And, on a place yeah. like that, let's say, hey, I want to bring my kids there. Are you guys just saying, hey, shoot, you know, shoot as many does as you want, or are kids allowed to g- come into a place like that and shoot the first buck that walks by? Both. So, like, what I like to do—that's one of the reasons I I like to have these other places—is so that I can mm-hmm. take my kids. I have a old daughter that she go she's gone hunting with me a lot already and uh i have another newborn but i keep i find places just where i can if i want to go shoot a three point or four point or whatever uh she can go well we can go over there and do it now the big lease we have so many we run so many management bucks i mean there'll be and that's the thing they can shoot a doe we're big on like uh, it, that's a family lease over there. The big lease with the you know the, the strict management, it's huge family. Like every family there has kids. Uh, there's a river that we're all in the river during the summer, um, fishing, and while we're going hog hunting out there this uh, this weekend. Um, it's a it's more of like a destination family lease, and we're big on like it doesn't matter who kills what. Like if if you want, if you're on the lease and you want your dad to kill your trophy or your wife or your son, um, you know, that's fine. They, they kill, they can kill it. You know, it's not, it, it's not, we're not very strict. We're big on like 
family and tradition and more so. Um, and it, it does become hard, like, when you're managing and kids and stuff. And that's really, like, I like to diversify and just have a property where I don't really care what happens. You know, that let them go over there and that, hey, that 30 acres is your piece. You know, you can kill whatever you yeah. want on it. And, uh, yeah, you know. So let's say my job somehow takes me to Texas, somewhere around where you live, and I want to go deer hunting, all right? And I can try to knock on doors. Maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Or um, what would a guy expect to pay, just in, maybe an average guess, in order to get into a deer stand and, and hunt in Texas? Man, it's just going to vary, like, uh, my little places that I, you know, split with people. There are a couple, hundred, you know, generally that 8% type rate for the whole place. So, you know, we we might pay a couple hundred bucks to split, you know, a little piece. And then the bigger leases are going to be a couple thousand, you know. And this varies. <clears throat> it varies on the density of uh, the density of hunters, you know. Like, some of these leases will run a hunter per a hundred acres, you know, and it's obviously going to be cheaper, you know, or if you run, we tend to run the numbers that the state run. Uh, so the state is going to give you on MLD one buck per 250 acres generally. So we on a more, uh, on our bigger lease, that's what we run. We run one hunter per 250 acres. So that, that spreads out the hunters and the, the, uh, resource or whatever but it doesn't it's going to drive the price up because you're you're now you're you know you're you're less people yeah, less so. so is there a, a place that you guys go so like hey I'm, I'm i'm coming down to texas i'm looking for a lease is there like a um uh some i'm, I'm forgetting the word but basically a broker, a land land lease brokers down there that are like, hey, I got this available, I got this available, I got this available, and you go looking to them, or do people just go to Craigslist and do that? Yeah, Craigslist was what used to be kind of where you would go. Um, Facebook now, you'll see like these big hunting groups, and they'll be like, hey, we've got two openings on this lease here it's four thousand acres or whatever you know and uh a lot of it is now like who yeah. you know not so much a directory that you're mm -hmm. pulling from um because so many different entities that owns this land you know there's there's investors there's timber companies there's private individuals it's just there's not a uh general like if it was like one landowner or just a a few it, it would maybe be easier but so you go and in in the end you end up you know cruising these uh, timber company websites and all that all that put together Facebook you know uh, there's some broke I mean there's definitely some land brokers uh, but it's just more kind of now it's become who yeah. you know because there's not the land right so so right little. and so a lot of it comes to hey dude I don't have a place to hunt can I hop on your lease type of deal yeah yes okay. All right. Yeah. And so yeah. on these websites or how do people have like, what's the conversation like? It's like uh, we have X number of acres and we're willing to lease it out for X number of dollars per acre. Is that how people do it? Or is there a set and what, what's an average price? Usually per acre. 
it's usually per acre. I mean, if and if you look at eight dollars per, it's usually going to run eight to eight to twelve dollars per okay. acre. You know, just that's the tax rate. And then if it's a smaller property, they're going to creep up. And then there's just some there's some timber companies that are just they're on that far end, and they have a high turnover rate because they're charging a shit ton for for property, and it's got a high turnover of individuals, and they just know that. You know they're kind of greedy with it. They know that the land is disappearing, and they got people that are going to yeah. pay it. They don't care that it's going to. And in a scenario like so. that, then uh, if I if I pay eight dollars for an acre versus you know fifteen dollars an acre, am I to assume that the the hunting will be better the higher I pay per acre on a lease? You would think. You would think, and sometimes it is. Sometimes that's how it lays out, and sometimes it's not. It's just that per, that company is just crazy. Yeah. You know, they just, that's what they're going to run. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm sitting here in Iowa. Both of the farms that I have um, are are uh, permission only, and, you know, I, I have access by permission to hunt these properties. Down there, uh, how rare is it? to get permission on a farm where you're not paying anything? Um, I mean, it's not crazy. I've got, I've probably got half a dozen permission places. Um, and, but it's permission. Cause I know, uh, you know, I, I'll do some side work for yeah. this guy and I, I, you know, I'm buddies with this, this guy. I just, I hunt Oklahoma with this guy and his family. He's got some family land in Texas. And then, um, I did in 2020, I sent out a letter to, I saw a big deer, sent out a letter, got permission, actually killed that deer with my bow. And I was just a, I mean, cold call from yeah. hell and I yeah. got lucky. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's doable. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's just up in the air. Like, you know, depends on the property owner yeah. and, and how that yeah. goes. Okay. Do you like the way that works? And it's the only yeah. thing I know. Like, it's really. I mean, I would love to not pay, <laughs> to have all this money back that I pay, um, and not do it. But I mean, if you if you love something and you're gonna you're gonna figure out a way to make it work, you know. As far as and that's kind of where yeah. we're at. You know, you 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 just have to do what you gotta yeah. do now. And so, in the past, especially on some leases that I know. It has literally broken up friendships where a big deer will show up on trail camera. Two guys will be on a hundred acres or at least in two, 300, whatever the case may be. There's one giant and they both want to kill the giant. Then you hear the stories about like not sharing trail camera pictures with each other. Right. So one guy shows me a picture and he goes, don't tell this person this. The other, that other person shows me a trail camera picture and goes, don't say anything to the, about this guy. I'm going in after him. And, and then what happens is somebody kills it or, Hey, I didn't, I don't know. I've never seen this. And then, you know, pictures pop up of said deer or whatever the case may be. Uh, jealousy, greed, you know, all these negative words that are associated with things like that. Does that ever happen where it, for it sure. does? For sure. Yeah. I mean, but if, uh, I try to circumvent that by, by being the point man on the lease and then just putting people that I know aren't going to do that, yeah. you know, like 
we're going to be completely open. Like we're sharing everything, um, you know, and that's, that's on the smaller stuff. Now on a bigger scale, you kind of have to uh, kind of have spots and stuff. But like when on these smaller places you're sharing, you just got to do it with somebody that you, that you trust. And then if you don't, you just roll on to, I mean, I don't really hunt with guys. I mean, I've just found a group of guys that I don't care. Like, you know, they've killed a bunch of big deer that I was after a bunch of times. And then this year I got to kill one that, uh, that they were all after. And your time comes and, you know, if you're not, uh, it humbles you a little bit because you, you, you put a lot of time and you want to kill that deer, but then you, you feel, you feel a certain type of way when your buddy kills it. And it's, it's just because, you know, you're not mad or anything. It's just, Hey man, damn, I didn't get to kill that deer. But that immediately replaced by like, Hey, one of us killed him. And I'm, I'm glad it was one of us. And you know, if it wasn't me, I'd rather that guy kill him, you know? And that's just, that's how we kind of roll. We don't, if you're not that way, you're not going to hunt with us yeah. type deal. So what happens when we have a scenario where a guy really, I mean, he would love to be out there, but his schedule doesn't allow it. And uh, maybe he's stuck to only hunting the weekends or maybe having taking his, his rut vacation while other people are able to hunt way, way more than that person. Is there a conversation that you guys have about how much time you can spend or how much you hunt on a given property? It's so dependent, like, it's because it, deer are so great. Like, each deer is its individual, like, yeah. character. So, like, some of them, you know, some of them we know, man, we can't put much pressure on this deer or we're going to blow him out. We're going to have to, like, really take our shots. And then, like, this deer that, we, that I killed this year, one of the guys, like, there was four of us hunting him, and we hunted this deer hard, like, once he showed. And, like way more norm way harder than we norm like would have been pressure wise just for for other reasons but it was uh we had already made probably i don't know each three of us had already made four or five sits for this deer and uh the one guy he'd been working out of town in midland and he come in and it was like hey we've been hunting the deer you got first go like you know you haven't been here um where do you want to sit? You want to go, you want to go to the good spot or you want to, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, it takes guys like that, like, uh, selfless, Mm -hmm. I guess, or, you know, you have to be, um, you know, not, not a lot of people are like that in the world. And it just, it's more fun when you can find people like that. I mean, and that's the, that's the scenario that I feel like, there's still like the way that you guys do it. Maybe I'm wrong here, but this is just an assumption that there's still, sure. yes, you guys have to pay to play, right? Yes. You have to lease, but you're leasing with groups of people. So it's not like a ton of people are getting kicked off properties and there's any type of hunters, hunter displacement there. You're, you're going to, you're just paying for that. And then, a lot, you know, to keep the cost down, you're involving other people, and maybe it's by maybe it's by yeah. default, maybe it's not. Um, everybody gets to hunt, but you have to. Everybody ha- has to pay for it, right? So the the amount you pay dictates the experience that you get. Okay, yep. all right. 
where in yeah. I and, and family, I try to take my kid. Man, I take my kids out there. I mean, I only have the one daughter that's that's able to move now. But I mean, I take her all the time, and it's just I'm not just paying for that lease for me too. Like I try to, you know, uh, the two bigger leases that are more expensive, like. We're out there duck hunting. We go dove hunting. Yeah. We go fishing. Like always out there trying to. Uh, uh, I mean, we're camping out there. So it's it's better. Like if you can find a place like that, it, it's easier to lease it because your family is getting you know that 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 uh you know whatever yeah. the reward of it. You know, it's not just you. You're not the only one reaping it. You're you know the experiences that you spend out there really. You know, that little bit of money you pay, you're probably underpaying, yeah. honestly. And, and maybe it's the maybe it's the circle of people that I know who lease or or why they lease. Right. Because where I'm from, I don't feel like leasing is a family affair. Uh, you're leasing because. Right. Not all. Not yeah. All yeah. And so you're leasing because you want control of of big deer like you yourself want big deer if you have somebody else on the lease usually it's a family member like you and a a, a brother or a cousin or something are on it but i don't hear very many you know i'm sure it's not true across the entire board but there's less like camping and fishing on these ponds or something like that and it is more no. I am leasing this ground to do one thing and one thing only, and that is kill big bucks. Period. That's all I want. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's uh, sorry. I had to text my no, wife. That's all right. Um, so, as far as like, I, I bet you're down there thinking, kind of like up in the Midwest, like you guys got it good right now. Uh, I mean, yeah, man, y'all, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you definitely mm-hmm. have it good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, um, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just cause y'all, but that's all, you know, like it's, it's not hard for me cause that's yeah. all I know. That's what I've grown up on. You've, you've grown up on permission on just, you know, really amazing yeah. places. So it's tough to, uh, think, think different. Yeah. What's the barrier of entry down there for, because I didn't have really any hunting mentors. Uh, I had my mom. She bought me a bow and arrow, and yep. then I got dropped off out in the country. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. If there's a kid who, you know, and I take it down in Texas, there's more of a, a tradition surrounding hunting. So it doesn't, you're not a, you're only a rock's throw away from someone who eat, hunts or knows about hunting. Is the barrier of entry for someone who wants to start hunting is that is that an issue or is that not really an issue? I mean, I think it's an issue, uh, not just for this area. I think it's just an issue for across the nation. Like, um, it's just tougher to hunt now than I think it was back in the day, um, and for a variety of reasons. But um, I get some new people that are get into hunting, but normally it's, man, it's more so they've grown up with it. So I guess that's why we try and focus on our family so much is try and just keep, keep instilling what we were instilled upon, you know, and then we'll take, we'll try and take uh, people that, that don't 
get to hunt. I mean, when yeah. I can, but it's uh, it's definitely yeah. tougher. Yeah, you know, and and after listening to you talk, I mean, who knows what what right and wrong is in a scenario like this? I mean, Texas is a heavily populated state. I, I know it's huge, and there's a lot of land mass, but still. And do you feel like almost every inch of that state is spoken for as far as hunting is concerned? Not permission. I mean, there's still definitely some permission stuff. Or, or I mean, maybe they would lease it out or type deal. But there's definitely areas that yeah. aren't hunted. Uh, you know. Uh, but it's it's not it's not all spoken for. I mean, it, it feels like it is. Okay. But it's all not. right. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll say this. Like, in Iowa, man it is so hard to find permission ground, especially where I yeah. live. And then South where I grew up, like you not, I used to be able to knock on doors and I've, I've beat this horse to death on other podcasts, but I used to be able to knock on doors and maybe one or two out of five would let me hunt. Man, I can remember a while ago I went on a, a mission and I knocked on 22 different doors over a two day period. Got told every, no, every single time right and but the conversation of leasing popped up the conversation of uh you know i i do have you know i i do have other hunters on here who are leasing this farm uh you can take my information and call me if they decide to not re-up with you know with me next year and so it's it's hard to say i just you know i just feel like it's obviously inevitable that in the future, barring a couple law changes, that eventually it will go to like the mid entire Midwest is going to be a pay to play system. Some you're you guys are just ahead of the curve. That's what I feel like, and because it is, it is going to push out people that that just hunt for uh, hunt for fun, I guess type deal, and it's it's going to be guys like. I mean, it just, I've seen it here. It's guys like us that are just, just obsessed with yeah. whitetail, you know, and we're going to find a way to work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, I don't know. I, I, I always think that money muddies the water in some way, shape or form. Right. And that's because, like you said, I didn't grow up. I, I've, I, you know, I bet you, I, I would think of this different if I grew up where you grew up and had to hunt how you hunt. But I always feel like money kind of muddies the water on the experience. Like I, I, man, I shot this buck, but I had to pay, you know, two G's to, to lease this farm or, or something like that. Do you, do you often feel like money kind of muddies the water? Uh, not, not really because I get all the family stuff yep. out okay. of it too. So I like, I, try, I don't just do it. If it, if it was just myself, I would probably feel a certain type of way. Um, you know, but if I feel like I try to, um, make it more of a, um, experience like all yeah. the way around, it's not just okay. about. All right, cool. Uh, any, any, I guess, uh, any, any thoughts or, any other ideas or, or topics that you want to discuss about maybe the pay to play system that you kind of live in? No, I mean, I would just, I mean, I would think about 
putting a you putting a plan together with you know a couple group of guys and just having that in your back pocket so that if you know when you are knocking on doors you know and you do you do encounter it you can you can have somewhat of a plan to be like hey you know maybe these three guys or four guys would want to do this or two guys you know yep. whatever it is you know and, and kind of have that uh um you know and maybe take your kids on door knocking and be like hey i'm looking for a place they're gonna start hunting i really just want a place where they yeah. can kill something and uh, type deal you know and or you just leave a little bitty place for yeah. them you know and just something um but then i did hear so you were talking about uh uh your pontoon boat and so two things that you can do for fishing uh is very easy with what? kids so oh trolling, trolling. yeah 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 especially if you can you know you can set up uh systems with two or three hooks on it to where if you you know you get in white bass you're catching two or three yeah. at a time on one rock and then uh probably noodles would be pretty easy with a pontoon boat you know noodling for catfish as far as throwing out the the pool noodles with hooks on them and then you know you could have some type of a gaff system where you hook the noodle and then they can pull them in and you're not really you're you can both of those you can cruise around and listen to music and it's easy for kids yeah, to fish yeah. that's a that's a great point i i have to check the the laws i don't know oh i i when i grew up we called it jugging where we would yeah, yeah same, same thing right yeah. and so now they just use pool noodles instead of uh um empty gallons of milk right and so that that's what or yep. or any type of jug right and so um i don't i'm not sure if i know you can use bank poles on the river but i don't know what the laws oh, are yeah. in iowa about jugging or noodling so yeah, yeah i checked yeah, that out sure that's a great idea that's a great idea well, Tony, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to give us some insight on how you hunt um, and the the pay-to-play system and access and things like that. Uh, I personally hope that Iowa or the Midwestern states don't go to a pay-to-play system to that extreme yet, although it's all in certain parts of the state, it's already there, right? Uh, it's just, I, I feel like right. barring a couple rule changes, Iowa is holding pretty strong on letting locals have access to to local ground, basically. So uh, I, I appreciate your, your time and uh, keep me posted on how you do this year, man. Okay.